You are listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. For more information about our church, you can find us at heightschurch.org. Let me ask you this question. You can keep the answer to yourself. But has life worked out for you the way you had it planned? Right? (laughs) I mean, we all have plan A. You know, plan A is the school you want to go to, what age you want to be when you want to get married, who you want to marry, how many kids you want to have, where you want to live, what kind of job you want to have. We all have plan A, right? But we know in life... That plan A does not always work out. Things change pretty quickly and we get into plan B. And some of you are already looking at me like, plan B? Man, I'm like on plan K, right? I mean, like, oh, I love B. Man, I'm all the way over here on K. But what happens, though, when plan A doesn't work out? Well, how, how do you react? What's the thought when plan A doesn't work out the way you want it to work out? For some people, they get mad at God. They get upset with them. Some people question, God, are you faithful to me? Do you still love me? Some people walk away from God and just say, hey, that's it. I don't want to worship this guy anymore. My, My plan didn't work out the way I thought it should work out. I didn't get what I thought I should get. Now, on the contrary, there are some people who still worship God. They still love God when when their plans change. Right? And they stay faithful to God and, and they still worship Him and they, they find purpose within pain. You know, this morning we're starting a new series I'm, I'm really excited about. It's called Living the Plan B Life. Uh, and I really got the idea for this series from my wife's uh, last book, Unexpected Blessings, because I've been thinking about preaching through the book of Ruth. And then one of her chapters, she goes over Ruth and how Ruth lived a plan B life. And when I read that chapter in her book, I was like, you just gave me a sermon series idea. Thank you, babe, right? And so, uh, so we're going to look at the plan B life because if we're honest with ourselves, that's where we are. You know, we're, we're out of plan A. We're in plan B. Things don't always work out perfectly the way we think they ought to work out. But here's what I want you to get. We're going to trace this thought over the next three weeks through the four chapters in the book of Ruth. And here's, here's what I want you to grab this morning and be thinking about, and you're going to see it play out over the life of Ruth in the next three weeks. It's this. Your plan B, life, is always God's plan A for your life. Okay, I'm going to say it again in case you're writing it down. Your plan B, life, is always God's plan A for your life. Right? Your plan B, life, is always God's plan A for your life. I want you to meet a family this morning. Uh, there's a man by the name of Elimelech. Elimelech marries Naomi. They have two sons, Malon and Chilon. Now, Malon's name means sickly, and Chilon's name means spent. All right? There's some two great nicknames right there, sickly and spent. Right? And so there is, yeah, some of you are really getting that. You're thinking, wow, that's pretty good names for my kids. Right? I had to describe some of your kids on that one. Yeah. So you, you got two boys, sickly spent, and Elimelech marries Naomi. Now notice the historical context here in verse 1 of when this story takes place. It says, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land of Bethlehem. Now the day of the period of judges is not a good period in the life of Israel. Uh, this is a period of unfaithfulness. This is a period of sin. 
This is a period of darkness for them spiritually. I mean, if you've got your Bible right there, you can just look at Judges 21, 25, the, the ending verses of the book of Judges. It says, in those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. All right, so that's the kind of spiritual context of what's taking place here. It's a dark period spiritually for Israel. But verse 1 also says that there's famine in the land. Right? Now, anytime you see famine in the Old Testament, that's because of God's judgment because of their sin. Right? So things are hard. Things are tough. We've met the family. Let's pick up on what's happening in verse 1. In the days of the, uh, when the judges ruled, there's a famine in the land. A man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife has two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. His wife was Naomi. name of the sons were Malon and Chilon. They were from Bethlehem, verse 3 says, in Judah. They went to the country of Moab and remained there. But verse 3 says, Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabat wives. The name of one was Orpah, and the other was Ruth. And they lived there about ten years. Now, verse 5 says, Malon and Chilon died. So the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. So here's Elimelech, and he's like, wait, we got to find food. I hear there's something down in Moab, and they moved to Moab. Now, Moab is desert-like. It's fertile ground. There's nothing in Moab, pretty desolate area. You're not going to find a good Airbnb in Moab. And think about it this way. It's a little better than Odessa. Okay? You've been through Odessa? Yeah, Moab. All right? Just that's Moab. Yeah? Not a place you just want to go vacation. They live there 10 years, and what happens at the end of verse 5? Plan A's out the door. Right? Naomi's now widowed. Ruth's widowed. Orpah's widowed. It's a period of famine. Naomi doesn't have close relatives by to take care of her. Uh, she's going to tell us later that she's advanced in years. Right? What are they going to do? Plan A's gone. They're in plan B. And here's the thing about living the plan B life. Is when plan B begins and you get into plan B, there's always a fork in the road in the plan B life. And the fork in the road when you come into the plan B life is this. You either are going to stay worshiping God or you're going to walk away from God. Every one of us is going to face it. When God changes our plan from A to B, you and I come to this fork in the road where we go, Hey God, we're either going with you or we're going away from you. You know, on the the night David... Uh, was born when Sandra went into labor. I remember it was October 24th. It was a Monday night. We were watching Monday night football. And for some odd reason, I remember the Jets were playing. I don't know why I remember the Jets were playing, but the Jets were playing. She started labor. At about 2 a.m., she said, hey, it's time to go to the hospital. So hop in the car. We're going to the hospital. Now, at that point in time, we lived out in the country. I was pastoring a my first church while I was in seminary. I mean, this town we lived in, it was like you blinked, you missed it, okay? We had a caution light in the town. Not a stoplight, a caution light. You wanted to go out to dinner, you went to the grill at the gas station. Like, that was it, you know? Nearest town was 35 minutes away. 
So we're in the car. We're going to the hospital about 35 minutes away. Wife's in labor. It's time to go. When we get on our little two-lane road, when we get kind of close, we see this sign. And I, I put up a sign just kind of like it. If Nathan, you put that up for me. That's what we saw. Right there in the middle of the road. All right, not the exact same sign, but a lot like it. Bridge out, half a mile ahead, detour. I stop the car, and I look at her. What do you want to do? <laughs> she looks at me, and she says, we were just down this road on Friday, and that bridge was not out. Okay? Now, men, if you have not been through the process of your wife giving a baby. Let me clue you in on this, guys. Whatever she tells you to do, you do. Okay? That's what I've told men all the time. Guys, we are not pushing another human being out of our body. They are. So in the middle of the delivery room, if she says, go stand in the corner and look that in that corner the whole time, guess where you go, guys? To the corner. Okay, because there again, she's pushing the human out, not me. So we're in the middle of the road. What do you want to do? I don't think the bridge is out. Let's go around the sign. Okay, what am I going to do? I go around the sign. All right, about a half mile down the road. Guess what we found? Bridge was out. <laughs> so we have to turn around and, and take the detour. We came to a fork in the road. Do we, do, we, do we take the sign and ignore it? Or do we go the detour? In the plan B life, you're going to find that detour. Do, or you're going to find that fork, that detour. God says, hey, this way. Or you go, no, I want to go this way. And I want you to notice in verse 6 what God's up to. And, and verse 6 is so much hope packed in it. It says, then she arose with their daughters-in-law and returned to the country of Moab. For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. Right? See, no, the word got to Moab that the famine in Bethlehem had been lifted. There was food again. And here's Naomi. Here's her plan B life fork in the road. Do I go home or do I stay in Moab? And what I love about verse 6 is you see darkness at the end of verse 5. You see no hope at the end of verse 5. I mean, here's a lady widowed with two daughters-in-law, no sons, no relatives, no job, no place to live. And verse 6 comes. God worked. And in the middle of darkness in your life, in the middle of depression, in the middle of sadness, in the middle of hurt, there's always rays of hope God is breaking through with. And so they decide. Let's go back. Let's go back to Bethlehem. See, Naomi packs up. She's on the road with Orpah and Ruth, and they're going back. But now Naomi's like, guys, you go back to Moab. Don't come with me. Right? And pick up with what, in this conversation with Naomi and Ruth and Orpah in verse 11. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way. For I'm too old to have a husband. And if I should say I have hope, 
Even if I should have a husband this night and bear you sons, would you wait until they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it's exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And so notice what she's saying. Naomi's really saying, look, I'm worse off than you. I'm going back to a land where I don't know if I have close relatives still alive. I don't have a job. I don't have a place to live. I don't know how I'm going to take care of myself. Don't come with me. Right? I'm worse off than you are. Go back to Moab. And there's now Orpah and Ruth's fork in the road in the plan B life. Verse 14 tells us that Orpah kisses Naomi and she goes home. Naomi responds to Ruth in verse 15, and she says, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister. So Orpah's essentially saying, Okay, I don't want God. I'm going back home. I'm going back to my gods. Right? I'm going back to the gods I grew up with. But then now Ruth has that decision to make. And you and I have that decision in the plan B life all the time, the fork in the road. Do you go with God? Do you not go with God? And I love what Ruth says. Because what Ruth says to me are some of the most powerful verses in the Bible. We pick up in verse 16. Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I'll go. Where you lodge, I'll lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I'll die. And there I'll be buried. And may the Lord do so to me, and more also if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. I love the fork in the road Ruth took. Naomi, you've taught me enough about God. Elimelech taught me enough about God. My husband taught me enough about God. I want that God. I'm going with you. And yeah, we don't know how this is going to work out in our plan B life, but I'm taking the road that's going to go with God. And in your life, when plan B comes and plan A is out the door, you stand at the same fork in the road that Orpah and Ruth did. You either decide, I'm staying with you, God, or I'm walking away from you, God. And when you let go of plan A, And you start living out plan B. What you're going to find is God. I'm going to say it again. When you let go of plan A. And you start living out plan B. You're going to find God. Because your plan B life. It's always God's plan A for your life. Your plan B life is always God's plan A. And so when you let go of plan A. And say "All right, God I'm going with you. What you're going to find is him. And you're going to find a faithful God. Let's pick up in verse 19 because now they're back. And it says, The two of them went till they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, This is Naomi. And, and, and Naomi's name means pleasant. And I want you to get that because verse 20 is going to take a little bit of a turn on us. They knew Naomi as pleasant over a decade ago. Hey, Naomi's back. All right, man, we love Naomi. She was a happy, bubbly, cheerful person, right? It's Naomi. Verse 20, she said, don't call me Naomi. Call me Myra, which means bitter. For the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. 
I went away full and the Lord brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has tested, testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity on me? Saying Naomi returned and, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. In the plan B life, you're going to have to let go of some things in order to find God. See, when plan A doesn't work out the way you want to, you've got to understand your plan B is always God's plan A. And when you take the next steps that I'm about to give you that you may want to write down, you're going to find God in the plan B life. And here's the first step. You have to be honest with your emotions and with others. You have to be honest with yourself and others. See, when plan A is gone, you've got to grieve plan A. Right? Plan A was done. And there's going to be a point in grieving. There's going to be a point in mourning that you have to go through. And you've got to be honest with yourself. You've got to be honest with others in that. And, and that plan A may have been, hey, you didn't get into college you wanted to. You didn't get the job you wanted. You didn't get the house you wanted. You know, you don't have as many kids as you wanted. Something in your marriage may not have worked out. Maybe a health situation. You know, for us, personally, it was when we got our son's diagnosis, James's diagnosis in 2010 of autism. You know, it took us a while to mourn that. It took us a while to grieve that. And it wasn't so much we got a diagnosis of autism that we were grieving the diagnosis, but we were grieving that our son would never match up to typical kids. See, we were grieving the fact that our son will never hit those typical milestones that many of your children will hit. You won't ever drive a car. You won't go to college. You won't get married. You know, you'll always live with us. You know, we won't ever be empty nesters. You know, when, when we get a date night sometimes and James is with us, we call him a, very affectionately our little third wheel, right? Because our little third wheel will always be our third wheel, yeah? And, and so it's, it's hard, and there's still points of grieving and mourning that we go through when our 11-year-old gets with another typical 11-year-old, and we see far different mentally how they are. And so what Sandra and I have had to learn over the years is to be very honest with our pain. Be very honest in mourning. Be very honest with each other. Be very honest with God. And, and so when, I, when, when we read what Naomi went through, I don't want you to give Naomi a hard time. Because Naomi doesn't deserve a hard time. Because when you read through the whole book of Ruth, you find that Naomi stays faithful. That Naomi loves God. And she stays faithful to God from the beginning to the end of the story. And I really love what Naomi does because I think you and I need to do this better in our walk with Jesus. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with others in how you're feeling, what you're going through, the pain you're having, the mourning you're going through. Because as you pain, as you grieve, as you mourn, as you let that out, and as you mourn the end of plan B or plan A, you're finding God now in plan B. Second thing, second piece of action to take is this. Let go of false gospels and false hope. Let go of false gospels and let go of false hope. See, a false gospel is this, and this is where some of you are trapped into this. God, I obey you. I keep the rules. I'm a good moral person. 
I'm faithful. I read my Bible. I pray. I come to church. I do what you want me to do. God, I'm, I'm faithful in that. Now, what happens is when plan A stops and plan B is introduced, you know it's a false gospel this whole time you've been holding on to when you go, whoa, 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 hang on. I was good. I was moral. I kept the rules. I prayed. I read my Bible. Why am I getting this? Why is my plan not working out the way I want it to work out? See, to find God in plan B living, you got to let go of the false gospel. I love what James 1.22 says, and it says this. Or excuse me, James 1.17. It says, it is easy to say, or excuse well, I'm going to find it in my notes. There it is. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. I love that verse. Because look at it with me on the screen. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Isn't it really easy to decide what's a good and perfect gift? Yeah. Full bank account? It's a good and perfect gift, right? Nice job. Nice house. Nice spouse. Obedient kids. Good health. Good and perfect gifts. Right? Plan A living, right there. Got it, God. Good and perfect gifts. Can autism be a good and perfect gift? Can dementia? Can cancer? Can the loss of job? Can the loss of house? Ooh, hang on. Those aren't good and perfect gifts. Plan A, boy. Obedient kids. Money. (laughs) Job. Good health. Plan A living, that's good and perfect gift from above. But what if your plan B was really God's plan A? And it was that loss of job. It was that autism. It was that dementia. It was that cancer. What if that good and perfect gift, because of course none of those things are good. But what if God used all of that to bring you closer to him? What if God used all of that for you to be a testimony for other people to come to know Jesus Christ? See, your plan B is always God's plan A. And when you let go of false gospels, you let go of false hope, and you say, well, wait a minute, God, whatever you bring my way, whatever comes from your hand, even though it may be bad, it's still a good and perfect gift. Because my plan B is always your plan A. And that brings me to the third thing you've got to do in plan B living. It's this. Trust Jesus Christ for your salvation and live that out. Live out your faith in Jesus and trust him for it. I love Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. It says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Right? For some of you this morning, you need to come to know Christ. You need to accept His grace. Stop trying to earn it. Stop trying to feel like you're a good moral person. Just say, look, I have sin in my life. I'm separated from God. The only way I'm getting to God is by accepting His grace through His work in Jesus Christ. So for some of you, that's where you are. You need that faith in Christ 
and accept His grace. For many of us, it's the back end of verse 10. And now I'll read verse 10 again. So that we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, verse 10 of Ephesians 2 is here, Christian, live it out. Live out your faith. That you are a workmanship in Christ. You are God's masterpiece. He's provided good works beforehand that you just walk in. You live out. Let me introduce you to Charlotte Elliott. You probably don't know Charlotte Elliott, but you're going to know her in a minute. And Charlotte Elliott, in her life at the age of 32, she had a really bad illness that left her partially disabled for the rest of her life. Charlotte battled you know, depression off and on all through her life. During one really bad period and bout of depression, she really started thinking about her salvation. And she came to realize, wait a minute, God accepted me not because of who I am, not because of what I've done, but because of His grace, because of who He is, because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. And, and all I did was just come to Jesus. And I'm accepted by God because of what Christ has done for me. And there, after that bout of depression, Charlotte wrote a hymn that you've probably grown up singing, least heard. If you've ever been to a Billy Graham crusade, they end every crusade with this one hymn, Just As I Am. And Charlotte Elliott had to learn. Her plan A life was never to battle depression. Her plan A life was never to be partially disabled at the age of 32. That was plan B. But God's plan A was to bring Charlotte to a point of Ephesians 2.10 where he said, Charlotte, I prepared good works before you. Will you just go by faith, live them out? And she wrote a hymn that has led thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people to Christ. And so this morning, understand, your plan B life is really God's plan A for your life. And you'll find Him in that plan B living. If you'll be honest with yourself, and just when you need to mourn and you need to grieve the loss of plan A, that's okay. When you give up false gospels and false hopes, and when you hold on to Christ by faith and live that out. Let's pray together. Father God, I... I pray this morning that we can learn to live out the lives that you have given us. That by faith we can trust in Jesus and Jesus alone for our salvation. And Father, I, I pray this morning because I, I know none of us are on plan A. But for some, they've never mourned the loss of plan A. For some, they're holding on to a, a false hope, a false gospel. For some, they don't trust Christ as their Savior. Maybe for some, they're just not living out their faith. And God, I pray that each one of us in living our plan B lives will understand that's really plan A that you have for us. And that we'll find you in that. I'm encouraging you this morning just right where you are to, to pray however God's laying on your heart and mind to pray. And then in a moment, we're going to extend that time of prayer through song where you can come and have someone to pray with you and for you.
Whatever God's put on your mind, what on your heart, will you go to Him with that? Maybe today it's to say, you know what, I, I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I've never come to know Christ as my Savior, and, and I'm trying to do this whole life thing without Jesus, and it's definitely not working out for me, and, and I want to come to know Him. I, I want to know God's plan A for my life, and, and God's plan A for your life, first and foremost, is for you to come to His Son, Jesus Christ, and, and be saved of your sin, to have eternal life with Him. To have a life and a relationship with God now and forever. That's, that's God's ultimate plan A for you. And if you're ready today to, to receive Jesus as your Savior, you can do that just right where you are. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray a prayer that you can pray along with me. It's certainly not a prayer that saves anybody. It's what you believe in your mind and in your heart. and What you're ready to commit your life to. But prayer is a way we talk to God. And so you can say, dear God. Today I'm ready to follow Jesus Christ as my Savior. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe Jesus rose from the grave. And I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. God, thank you that plan A in my life that you've put there for me is for me to come to know you. And God, today I'm ready to follow Jesus. Father, pray for anyone that's prayed that. Pray for those that need prayer today. Pray for just folks that are, are thinking through this concept of how our plan B is always your plan A. And Lord, I pray this morning that we know you are faithful to us. You are good to us. And in those moments of, of trials, you will still see us through. Uh, Father, thank you for that. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. On Sunday mornings, we have life groups for all ages at 9 a.m., followed by worship service at 10.30 a.m. For more information about how to support the ministry of Heights Baptist Church, go to heightschurch.org.